You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sends Hour podcast. We're kicking off season three, episode one, with an NHL preview show looking at all 32 teams. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite people on the network and uh, one of my favorite Twitter people in, in general. Uh, I'm going to see if I can actually say his name for the first time ever live. Uh, we got Neil Villapiano joining us from the Devil State. Uh, joining us today to talk some NHL hockey. He's wearing his Devils jersey. I'm wearing my son, so you know what teams we're rooting for. I think nope. I finally got your name right. You did it. On- you did it. I'm so proud of you, Shane. I'm so. <laughs> I, I'm going to get emotional because you finally did it. I finally did it. Yes. Um, <laughs> Let's go. So we have a full slate of uh, of hockey talk today and entering the NHL season that starts on Tuesday uh, with a two game slate. Um, two games. Kind of surprising that it's only two games, but we'll. Uh, We'll talk about that as we go on. Are both uh, games, I'm trying to remember, are both games on ESPN? I think so, yeah. I feel like what they should have done, this is my personal opinion, what they should have done is have one game on ESPN and one game on TNT just to kind of show the hockey fans like, oh, this is what's going to look like on ESPN. This is I what it's going to look like on isn't TNT. Isn't TNT only like weekends or like, when, is it like the rivalry nights? That's, that's the yeah, only time they're doing, getting it. They're doing what like, what Versus used to do back in the day, like many years ago. It's like they, they take... They take like the main. They take like the big time games. Like yeah, the, like the, the rivalry you know, like, week and stuff. You like know, when that. when when NBC was doing like Wednesday night rivalries or something yeah. like that's basically what TNT is doing, which is fine. But I kind of like I kind of want to see more of TNT. Like I'm really curious with TNT how they're going to promote how they're going to produce it this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but guys, here's the 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 episode breakdown before we get started. So, you know, like I said, we're going to jump right into the Pacific Division uh, talk. We're going to go west to east, so Atlantic's going to be last. It's going to be Pacific Central, Metropolitan, and then the East Division. Or Wait the Atlantic get to Division. the Metro, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah the, the, the West is pretty pretty simple. Um, the West got, is fun, in my opinion. The West opinion, is fun, but I feel like the, the Pacific is going to be very – you know who's going to make the playoffs, in my opinion, for the most part. I think there's – you have the the California teams, and there's everybody else right. that's going to really be fighting for the playoff spot. But why don't we start off? You know, we'll talk. We'll go. We'll go alphabetical because why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start off with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, had a had a rough year last year. Yep. Ended up drafting, landing number three overall. They landed. They picked the guy I was hoping would fall because no one was talking about him. And Mason McTavish, who has had a had a good camp. I don't think he's been sent down. I might have missed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this team actually looks relatively good and, and could be competitive this year. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the way Anaheim is, and they've clearly decided more or less that they're doing a rebuild. Um, I mean, they never really said that they were because you look at some of the pieces they still have. I mean, they still have John Gibson, obviously. They still have a guy like Adam Henrique on, on his deal. Um, so they do have some veteran uh, presence in the locker room. But yeah, they are, for the most part, doing a rebuild and obviously the biggest I would say and I don't know if you would agree Shane but I think the biggest storyline for Anaheim this year is how does Trevor Zegers do in a full 82 game season 
because I think that there was such high expectations, especially when he came into the league last year and he had a couple of games in a row right away where he looked really good that people are saying, okay, this is, this is the time for Zegras to really show that he is that guy. And I think that that's something that, um, I'm very much keeping my eye on. I also want to keep my eye on Adam Henrique for the standpoint of this. Most likely the Anaheim Ducks are going to be towards the bottom of not only the Pacific, but towards the bottom of the NHL. Yeah. Do they end up moving Adam Henrique? That's, I think, a big question mark. His contract is definitely the thing that's going to get in the way of getting even a decent offer. Um, but I do believe that Adam Henrique is somebody on the trade market once we get towards the deadline that very well could be somebody that some cup contending teams are like, yeah, I think we want to take a flyer on that. That's kind of the the big thing for me. And also, how does John Gibson perform with a very weak defense and everything like that, especially when there is a potential that he will be one of the three goaltenders going to Beijing for the Olympics? You know, can he can can he be healthy enough to where he's okay to play in the Olympics. Obviously, Shane, you you would hope that that's not the case. Since hey, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge Gibson fan. I'm not even going to lie. I love the guy. I think he's a great goalie. Um, if he were to ever be, if he were available in a trade, I would have loved to see Ottawa. Because I know I know last year, before they traded for Murray, yeah. there was reports that Anaheim might have been interested in, in moving on from him. Right. He, I think he's only like, tw- he was entering his age 26 season, I believe, mm-hmm. last year. You know, there was a lot of interest teams were calling them. Yep. And I think that if the value wasn't so high, because I mean, if I'm Anaheim, you don't have to move on from him. Realistically, yeah. you want him back there. Right. So you're asking for quite a bit. I, I, I would have loved so. to see Ottawa have traded for him instead of Murray, but I can see mm-hmm. why they were a little bit hesitant if the value or the, the ask was too high. And we obviously don't know if John Gibson is happy or not happy playing in Anaheim. That's the other thing. Like, no, he's Who never... wouldn't be happy playing in Anaheim? Who wouldn't, like, like realistically... Who wouldn't be happy playing in Florida or like the state of Florida, either with Tampa or Florida mm-hmm. or out in California? Yeah. Like I mean, weather wise and everything like. Right. And you could, but you could also sympathize if John Gibson being, you know, at the age that he's at being in the prime of his career, he would like to play in meaningful games. I mean, it's not True. like, it's not like, look, not everybody is going to be like Shane Doan who plays his entire career with one team. You know, there are times where players get tired of being in the same position where they're not winning. They're not making the playoffs. And I mean, look, when John Gibson first came up in the league, ladies and gentlemen, the Anaheim Ducks were one of the big powerhouses in the Western Conference. I mean, they were constantly going deep into the playoffs. They went to the conference finals in 2015. This is a very, very, this is a team that only recently has decided that they're moving on from the old core. You know, Getzlaff's gone. Or actually, no, wait. He's still back. He's 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 still back. He's like Perry. a one-year deal. Right. They moved on from Corey Perry. They've moved on from a lot of their older players. They still have a few. But at the same time, you know, John Gibson knows where this team is going moving forward. The question is, is that does he want to be there for the long ride? And look, also, the good news for him, though, is that he gets to be on a team where he's without a doubt the number one guy. And yeah. that's kind of the thing that I'm sure most goaltenders want to do as well. They want to be on a team that also they're the number one guy. Um, so, and you know, Anaheim can be fun to play in because it's a, I don't want to say it's a small market, but it kind of is, uh, but they have a very passionate fan base as the quack report can, uh, ah, that's for sure. definitely tell you. So, but yeah, I think Anaheim's going to be a team that very much is going to continue to be in a rebuilding phase. They're going to really struggle, um, but they're going to have some good moments. And I think watching Zegris is going to be like the high point for them. Yeah. Zegris and, and Drysdale are going to be two. Comtois turning into 
Comtois turning into a really solid power forward for the Ducks on that left side on the top line. And, you know, Troy Terry entering his age 24 season had a really good year last year. He should be able to improve. Mm -hmm. This team, and, and, you know, Sam Steele's finally starting to find his way. You added Mason McTavish. This team has the ability to to turn the the tide quickly. Right. Uh, If players are healthy and performing up to expectation, or performing up to their ability. Mm -hmm. So Anaheim's a team that I think is going to finish bottom of the league, but it's not going to be because of lack of effort. Right. They're going to be similar to what the Devils were last year, where they're very low expectations. They compete, but they don't win a lot of games. That's kind of the way that I look at it. Especially if Gibson starts, like if Gibson gets hurt. Or starts regressing as well. I mean, I I don't think it's, we're at that moment in his career where he's going to start regressing. But I mean, you, you never know. Especially we've seen really, we've seen really good goaltenders regress behind really bad teams because they just get tired. They well, start to get it, fatigued, and right. And and this is and Shane, you've heard me talk about this numerous times. That was my whole thing with the whole Corey Schneider situation when he was in New Jersey. Is that by the time the Devils got decent in seventeen eighteen, he was tired because he was playing for several years with really bad defense and very little goal scoring support. So obviously, he was playing a lot. And then he over, and then obviously he overdid it. He got a groin injury, and he unfortunately could never get back to full strength um, in the last couple of years. And only now, when he's with the Islanders, that he's been able to actually play relatively healthy. Yeah. So you can't overwork your goaltender. You have to have a solid one-two punch. That's the way that we are now in the league. Um, and you got to hope that John Gibson doesn't have to carry three quarters of the load because he might overdo it. Uh, yeah, that, that's for sure. So moving on from Anaheim, because Anaheim could be talked about for hours because they have multiple things going on. Uh, we got the Calgary Flames. Disappointing year last year. They mm-hmm. finished fifth in the North Division, ju- I think like less than 10 points out of a playoff spot. They bring in former New Jersey Devil, Blake Coleman, who I'm excited about. Oh yeah. They hope that they brought in Nikita Zadorov as well. Hopefully that works out for him as well. <sighs> And maybe, and you know, they didn't play bad. They were just inconsistent last year. Yeah. They're hoping for rebound years from Goudreau and Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mangiapane should take that next step. I'm looking at this roster, and there is no reason for them not to be top three in the Pacific d- Division this year. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, you know, with my predictions, I feel like Calgary definitely makes the playoffs. I don't think, because again, you got to call it like it is. The, the weakest division of the four that we're talking about is the Pacific Division. Because a 100%. lot can happen and a lot of opportunities for teams that maybe you wouldn't normally expect to be really good can actually come out of the gates and be very good. This is the thing with Calgary. I would say that this is the last year that this core can get something done. Because if they don't, they have to make moves. Like Goudreau's probably out the door. We don't know what's going on with Matthew Kachuk. Uh, they might move on from Manjapani. I have no idea. And here's another question. Can Jakob Markstrom get back to where he was two years ago when he was with Vancouver? If he can get back to that level of play, which he very well can, the Calgary Flames are going to be solved. They do have, I don't remember exactly who their backup goaltender is uh, now. I think it's on, on Daily fan, on uh, Daily Faceoff, they have uh, Vladar. Right. Daniel Vladar, Vladar is their backup. Yeah, Vladar, right. So... He's a young guy that I know a lot of Flames guys, including the In the, in the Dome boys, uh, have talked about before and are very excited to see. But Markstrom's going to get the majority of that of that you know net. And here's the thing. Suter is a no-nonsense guy. He has a system that has worked in the past. But the question is, 
Is his system outdated with the way the NHL is played now? I don't know. You can't really knock on him last year because he came in in the middle of the season and then tried to figure it out. And to be honest, when he first came in, the Flames played a lot better. They seemed they to did. figure it out. They, especially down the stretch there. Yeah, they look, they dug themselves too deep of a hole in the North Division last year for them to get back into a playoff contention. But the way that they finished the season, they finished on a very big high note. So the way that I look at it from that perspective is simply that, okay, this is that year where everybody's got to be 100% and they have to get going. And the thing that I love about Blake Coleman is this. He earned that six-year contract, okay? This is not like, to me personally, the contract that Barkley Goodrow got was ridiculous, in my opinion, that he got from the Rangers. That contract that Calgary gave Blake Coleman is totally acceptable because he's that type of player. He can play top six minutes. He's going to be your top penalty killer. He's going to be a guy that can also do damage on the power play. I know because I personally saw him for several years in Jersey. He's he's an awesome guy. Um, You know, unfortunately, he got suspended for one preseason game because of a dumb hit, but luckily that wasn't, uh, that was all that they have. But the bottom line simply for me, Shane, is this. Calgary is a team that's going to finish top three in this division. 100 They have no of, choice. Because of the lack of competitive teams in that division. And also, Calgary is a lot better than I think people give them credit for. So I think that's going to be a sneaky team that a lot of people are going to be taken aback by and say, wow, where did Calgary come from? And it's like, they, they've had the pieces. They just have struggled to put it together. Yeah, it's all about consistency. I The three players that I'm watching for, for Calgary this year, Dylan Dubé, Andrew Mangiapane and Sean Monahan. Those are the three that I, I want to see step mm-hmm. up. You know, Monahan has had a bad year and a half, you know, between the, the 19, 20, 21 season. He had a bad, he has had some bad time. I want to see him kind of step up and, mm-hmm. and see where he's at. Mm-hmm. Centering, I think his age 27 season. Mangiapane had one hell of a, a world championship for Canada entering his, I believe his age 25 season. Dylan Dubé is entering his age 23 season. I want to see where these guys are at. And if they can produce, Calgary will have no problem making to the playoffs. Right. And I think that they will. I feel pretty confident in that because, again, look, they're also playing a lot of other – they're playing the rest of the league as well. It's not like they're just playing Canada teams like they did last year. They're going to be able to have a lot of success. And Johnny Goudreau, knowing his situation, because I do believe that this is his contract year. I believe. It's either this year or next year. He's he's going to prove to himself – to the Flames and to the rest of the league that he is worth a big pay moving into um, his next contract. Whether 100%. that's with Calgary or somebody else, that's what you're going to see. So I expect him, because you see it a lot with these big-time players on their contract years, they usually have arguably their best season because they know that they're trying to prove a lot. So I expect um, him to do well. The biggest question mark is this. How much of an impact will Mark Giordano no longer being in Calgary affect this whole team with the leadership part of it. Oh, I think it's going to help. You know, I think it's going to help. I think I I love Giordano. Don't get me wrong. Uh, We'll talk about him later with Seattle, but don't get me. I think it was time for him to move on. I think Mm -hmm. that it was time for sometimes teams need a new captain and we've seen it with LA, you know, Dustin Brown stepped away, stepped down because he realized that like it wasn't his team anymore. Right. It was Kopitar's. And I think that was a lot that had a lot of responsibility, a lot of maturity for Dustin Brown to step down and resign the C because yep. he knew it wasn't his team. He knew that his time in LA was potentially coming up to an end. 100%. And I think Calgary moving on from Giordano the way they did 
they have a new captain or they, they might have a new captain. Who knows if someone's going to be wearing the C or not this year. But I think overall, having some new voices and having, you know, that Art Giordano is going to help this team. Yeah, I mean, look, Giordano has always been a solid player um, and he did a lot in Calgary. Uh, I think you make a good point from the from from that standpoint about you know it might be a positive effect. I just look at it from the locker room perspective um, because I look at like when the Sharks ended up having to give up um, Joe Pavelski a couple of years ago. Well, they didn't really give him up. He they they couldn't afford to keep him because they gave that huge contract to Eric Carlson. You know he moved on, but that's and- different. I, I know, but still at the same time, like you could see how much it's, it's affected that team over the last two seasons. They have not been able to bring that same level of energy because Pavelski brought so much to the table, whether it was just playing wise or being in the locker room. That's yeah. the thing. Um, I don't think it'll be a massive concern, but I do think that's something to kind of keep your eye on once the season starts. And it and it didn't help to see that Giordano, granted it was a preseason game, but his first game back in Calgary, he scored a goal. Yeah. Um, so that was, and I feel like that was kind of a good way to kind of like relieve everything completely end it now. Like everything's out of the way, you know, we move forward. I mean, obviously he'll come back once the regular season starts um, a couple times, but still, I mean, I think that's something that uh, that's definitely something I personally am going to keep my eye on. Oh, hundred percent. So we're moving on to Edmonton. Uh, we got the Zat, we got yep. the Oilers yep. with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. They, they should, it. they it. should be a playoff team. Nope. Um, you know, they brought in Zach Hyman. It's going to be interesting to see the game. What the exact con- same exact contract is Milan Lucic though. That's the problem that I'm having. But I, I haven't, I have a feeling that Hyman is going to be a lot better than Lucic. One can hope. Um, but I think, you know, he should be the left winger to compliment McDavid. He was able to play yes. well with Matthews. So I'm excited to see Hyman in Edmonton kind of get some things going, you know, I is, are the young guys in Pugliarvi and, and Yamamoto going to be able to take that next step in terms of being a, a top six, a top six wingers. They have some massive question marks, their defense. They have Duncan Keith and Cody CC as a pairing. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> I, like that. I don't like that. I, I don't, I don't know don't how like I feel that. about that, but their, their biggest question mark is it net? Is Mike Smith and Mike Co- Miko Koskinen? I don't care who you have in front of them. How is Mike Smith, like a forty-one-year-old Mike Smith and a like a thirty-three-year-old Miko Koskinen, gonna do? I think they're the oldest goaltending tandem in the league. I believe. I think and so. Yeah. See, this is see. This is what Ken Holland does. See, this is the thing. The 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 Oilers brought in Ken Holland because they wanted him to do the same thing they did in Detroit, where they just got a bunch of old guys that hopefully like all mesh together and they do well. Well, here's the difference. The difference is, is that he brought in a lot of these guys on in his, you know, this offseason. He had those old veteran players in Detroit for five, six, seven, eight years. Like it, what that's the biggest difference here. And yeah, goaltending, you mean to tell me that they couldn't go out? and get somebody else. I mean, they, they were talking about how much cap space they had when the offseason began. Where, They're $4 where, million where dollars over the cap. It went to trading for Duncan Keith. That's they the traded problem. Caleb Jones and Don't, Ethan Bear. They traded Ethan Bear, which, I mean, like... Like... It's dumb. It's dumb. Look, And then they handed, like, CC, with you, like $4 million a year. Like, Edmonton should make the playoffs purely based off of McDavid and Dreisaitl. 
I think they. Like, I don't like, think they will be because of what you just said. Their goaltending is it's atrocious. It's, it's horrible. Awful. And there are so many young, talented teams in the league, not just in the Pacific, but in the rest of the league that is going to burn them. And once again, once again, Shane, we got to call it like it is. This team will live and die with McDavid and Drysaddle. I know Hyman's there now, but that team is going to be is going to be They're forced burning to carry by those two guys. Yeah, and, and it's unfortunate. Like Nugent Hopkins is going to do his part. Like he's going to be a solid guy for them. But again, unless Mike Smith has a Vesna Trophy season year, there is no way, absolutely they, no way. And they lost that, their best defensive defenseman in Adam Larson. Yeah, that's the problem. They wanted to replace Larson with, with Keith. old Duncan Keith. That is a very, very, very bad move, in my opinion. And I know you still have Darnell Nurse, and that's fine. That's totally fine. He's a really solid defenseman. That contract is questionable, very questionable. But you couldn't give enough money to Adam Larson. You couldn't yeah, even. I... He said that they gave him. He said he barely talked to them about it. Yeah, I don't know. I that, that entire situation pisses me off. Um, but moving on to to LA because this is a team that I'm I'm actually very interested in this team. Weird team. They they brought in Victor Arvidsson from Nashville. Um, like that. They they re-signed uh, Andre the uh, Andre Anathesu. I always butcher his name. Anthony Anthony Anathesu. Yeah. Anthony Yep. Uh, you know Mikey Anderson on defense is expected to take the the next step. They have Alexander Edler in. Um, but their Philip, big one, Philip Deneau. Yeah, Philip Deneau. Yeah. You know they have some very interesting pieces, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm disappointed that. Byfield is hurt. He's out for, for at least a month. But Gabriel Velarde and Arthur K- uh, Kaliev starting the season with them, those are the two big pieces I'm interested in, yeah. especially Velarde. Because I remember like two years ago, people worried that he wasn't even going to be able to play a, ga- a, a game because mm-hmm. of, a, of an, a back injury. Right. right. So to see those two guys on the, the potential opening day roster, you mm-hmm. add in having, you know, Cal Peterson and Jonathan Quick, who's probably one of the the more underrated tandems in the league. I don't think LA does all like well this year, but I think they do better than people expect them to be. They're the best of the three California teams. This is yeah. this to me. They're the best of the three. Um, you made a very good point, Shane. The goaltending tandem is very underrated. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think believe Cal Peterson is American. I believe if, if my memory is correct, is he American? Who? Cal Peterson. Uh, I think so. I thought it, yeah, I could have sworn because I remember I could have sworn I thought I saw him play in World Juniors one year or something. I think like he that. is American. Yeah. Um, he could be that third. Honestly, he could if, – if he has a solid, you know, beginning to this season and plays well, he could be somebody that Team USA could look at as maybe like that third goaltender because I think that's a question – that's definitely a question mark. Did you find something? He was drafted by Buffalo. Right, right. Well, did he ever? Did he just leave, or did he get traded? I think he might have actually just. I, th- I think he just left. I don't think he ever. I don't think him. he ever signed. I think he got. I, I'm not sure if he was traded from Buffalo, or. <laughs> I, or I just I didn't realize he was drafted by right. Buffalo because I mean, hey, that would have solved so many problems. And we'll talk about we'll talk about Buffalo's goaltending situation um, in a little bit later but, on. But later on, right? Yeah. Uh, so we. But, but I like Cal Peterson. I like. I honestly think like Jonathan Quick, 
look, he's not the same goaltender he was like six years ago. Okay. Like let, we all know this, but he could still be pretty solid. Um, he's a solid backup. Right. And you know what? Honestly, even though the contract is ridiculous, I still think Drew Doughty can be pretty productive even at his age. Um, and you still got Kopitar. He could still do a, he could still do a whole lot. Um, Dustin Brown, I think, is still there, I want to say. Yeah, he's he still is. there. So they still have some pieces from, obviously, the Cup team. But obviously, they have very low expectations because they do want a lot of their young guys to start um, – to start developing like they did, you know, when they first built this team a decade ago to try to eventually become cup contenders. Um, but yeah, I do believe that not only do I think LA is the best of the three um, California teams, this is a team that very well could be one of the tougher teams to play play against in the NHL, a team that could be very gritty, a team that could be certainly physical and definitely give a lot of teams fits uh, with the way that they play the game. So I think that that's, they're definitely an interesting thing. And obviously not seeing Byfield, at least for a month, is uh, definitely disappointing, but I definitely am very intrigued to see how LA performs, particularly on the back end. Yeah. I mean, I think LA is going to lose a lot of close games. I think they're going to be one of those right. teams that which you. you're not going to get, you're not going to blow them out. You're not going to win like seven to one on a, obviously they might have those games because every team does. I don't care how good you are. There's always games like that. Um, but they're a team that's going to, to, you're going to have to fight. It's not going to be an easy Two points. That's for sure. Uh, I'm interested to watch them. But moving on to your second favorite team uh, and Ottawa's godsend, uh, we got the San Jose Sharks, who... Oh, boy. Jonathan Dahlin. And and I'm interested. Jonathan Dahlin, I'm pretty sure, was the Ottawa pick that we sent to San Jose for... Uh, it is. Yeah, it is the same. Yeah. Okay, so it's the same guy. It was a uh, former second-round pick of the Senators that we sent to Vancouver for Alex Burrows before the twenty in the 2016-17 season. I'm surprised he's even in the NHL. But apparently, according to, to Daily Faceoff, they have him as your the left winger one mm-hmm. behind, and then you have William Eklund and then Rudolph Balsers on that left yeah. side. Um, I don't know how I feel about this team. I, I look at it and I just a lot of question marks. Um, More question marks than answers, really. That goaltending duo, Aiden Hill and James Reimer, just it it concerns me. It does. It should because this is not James Reimer of 2016. This is not and Aiden Hill. I mean, how well did he actually do in Arizona? Not not great. Um, look, you got to call it like it is. The Sharks have to accept that they are definitely going to blow this up. They have to, uh, but they can't because their contracts are so bad that the only way the Sharks can can really move forward is that they would have to buy out a lot of these guys. That's the reality of it. Like the Burns contract, Vlasic, Eric Carlson, Logan Couture. Um, yeah. I feel they, like Couture's movable. I feel like if you Couture were in those four – Couture those four, Couture is the most movable in my The opinion. three guys that are of the of the main players that are the most movable are Couture, Timo Meyer, and Tomas Hurdle. And Tomas Hurdle, we know, already has one foot out the door. So that, to Vegas. that's a matter. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, Sharks fans would not forgive Tom Wilson for not Doug Wilson for doing that. I mean, really, they would not. Hurdle to Vegas. Yeah, you'd love that, wouldn't you? 
You know, how about I mean, I would if the Vegas, the Vegas boys would though. What if, uh, what if San Jose just decided to continue to be best friends with Ottawa and just traded hurdle for to Ottawa? I mean, I'd be okay with it. I mean, I, I would accept hurdle. I'll, I'll trade. How about this? I would trade you hurdle. I would trade hurdle for good Branson. Uh, well, Branson's in, in Calgary, so that's not gonna. All oh, right, he he moved on to. Yeah, uh, I would give you like. I don't even know who I would give up for Hurdle. See, that's the thing. You because well, I mean, I they have a lot of good assets. So you can't I would just him. wait till he hits free agency and then sign him. Well, that's the thing. I think most teams <laughs> are going to do that, unless you can, unless it's one of those things where, like, when when Pajot got traded from Ottawa to the Islanders and they immediately signed him to a deal, you know. I think that a lot of teams are going to wait on that because he's going to be one of the more looked at free agents when uh, next season rolls around. But obviously the big black cloud that's surrounding this franchise is what's going to happen with Evander Kane. Um, The funniest thing, I saw a athletic article that was literally titled like something along the lines of the Sharks team is all about positive vibes, especially because Evander Kane is not here. Like that was kind of I saw that. That was kind of the thing where it's like, Evander Kane is not allowed. It's just basically not allowed to be with this team. Like even if he's like not convicted at all, because so far he's one for he's one for one in proving that he's innocent. Um, it just to me, it's it's just you have to buy much. it out at this point. Yeah, right. It's just too much. I think the Sharks just got to do it, and it's hilarious because he's their arguably their best player right now, considering yeah. how he played last year. You know. It, that's the that's the crazy thing. Now, is some other team going to take a flyer on him? I think probably because they'll look at it from the on ice production and say that. But hey, if Tony not- D'Angelo can get a job, yes. If and Tony realistically, D- if if Evander Kane is proven innocent or all accusations, if, if everything right. comes back as like, no, these are just these were accusations; they weren't true. You you kind of have. He did nothing wrong by law, by by legality. He did nothing. Well, he wrong. does have a well. We did confirm he does have a gambling problem. This yes. has been confirmed, and he admitted it as well. Yeah, but I mean, realistically, well, you have players that have alcohol problems. Like, what what's worse? You know, as long as he's not betting. Look at, look at what happened to Daniel Carcillo. Look look at what happened to Carcillo. Carcillo talked about it numerous times, like the problems that he had. Yeah, but like realistically, as long as he's not gambling on games. Like, which was proven that he didn't, which is yeah. ridiculous. Which, which is also ridiculous because, yeah, he was the best player on the team. Yet he bet on his, he bet on the games he played. That makes no yeah, it he, made no sense. Everybody knew so, that made no sense. So if if he is proven innocent on all accused, cool. You're not going to sign him because he's a gambling problem, really. Well, really? no, it's the thing. But the thing is that from the Sharks' perspective is that they may not have a choice because if the entire team doesn't want him there, regardless yeah, of whether but he's I mean, if you're another not, team, if you're another right. team, though, and... There will be a lot of teams. If if he's found innocent of all charges, there will be a lot of teams, especially if the Sharks buy him out, there will be a lot of teams that will, that will reach Take out him. to him. Yeah, and 100%. Somebody, and you know some of these franchises are going to be like, well, we also want to put you in a program to kind of help you. He'll have um, to go through the player assistance program. Right. Guarantee he, it. He, right. Of course. Of course. And I think some team would be willing to do that. I do believe that. And I think hundred oh, percent to me personally, he has to go to a small market. I think that would be better for him. Whatever yeah, that small so. market might be. I think it would be better for him. My, my biggest interest is Mario Ferraro. I, I love Good what player. I saw from him last year. I'm really excited to see what his next steps are, but I'm, I'm super excited for that. Obviously William Eklund. I'm excited for to, to see what he can do. I know a lot of Ottawa fans I feel wanted like it's him. It's early for him to make it into the NHL. I mean, like that. I think hey, I feel, 
But then again, you don't have a lot of depth on the left side anyway. Yeah, so, so like, you know, it is what it is. Baptism but, by fire, I guess. And then also, yeah. look, the Sharks are going to finish probably second to last in this division. I mean, this is not a good team at all. I mean, unless these these main core guys can turn the turn back the clock to like even just 2019, I mean, that's possible. But no, this is this is going to be this is going to be a long year for the Sharks. Oh, 100%. Moving on uh to the Seattle Kraken entering their first season. I have them making the playoffs. So do I, I have them slotting in uh hot in the in the division. Mhm. Because of their goaltending, I think Philip Grubauer and I think it's crazy that Drager is getting three and a half million for three a, a year for three years, and he's played like thirty eight career NHL games. I I really think that is ridiculous. I remember um, that like when they signed him to that contract, you you initially were like, I, I lost my shit. Yeah, you were, you were like, why, like why are they doing this? Like, why like, why they, are you signing him to three point five million when he's played thirty eight career games? I don't think ridiculous. Seattle knew. You're saying I don't think Seattle knew that Grubauer was going to be available. I really probably. don't. I think probably. that they thought. I think that they looked at that and they said, all right, we're going to go with Drieger, and then we'll probably probably have like a young guy. But once you're probably they going to look at Drieger and and Decord as your as your core as your right. goaltending tandem. And once they saw, once they saw that um, that Grubauer was available, they said, "Well, we have a lot of cap space. Let's just do May it. May as well Let's take just, it. Like, May as well take it. Not? If he says no, he says no, right? Like, what's the right. worst thing that can happen? And look, um, does Grubauer go to a less talented team than where he was in Colorado? Yes, but I feel somewhat. like personally, personally, this is that opportunity for Grubauer to show that he's actually one of the better goaltenders in the league because he went from Washington, a team that was loaded and obviously won the cup. To Colorado, who had a tremendous defense. He wasn't part of that cup run, was he? Well, no, he was the backup. He he started, if you remember, he started the playoffs as the right, starter. Right, right. And then he came in afterwards. Yeah. He goes to Colorado. He helps them make the playoffs a couple times, and he looks really, really good. But he's not getting appreciated enough because of the fact that he plays with such a talented team. Now he goes to Seattle, who's not as talented and is an expansion team, and he can really you know shine like Marc-Andre Fleury did when he went to Vegas. Yeah, and I'm I'm excited for this team. Um, There's you know, just so you have fun. there's just so much to like about Seattle. Yeah, in you know, you like defense. Vegas. This is totally different. There's so much to like. You know, you look at their defense: Giordano, Larson, Oleksiak, Dunn, Saucy, and then Flurry. That, that's a solid right. defense, in my opinion. That, that's a solid top six. I agree. Um, yeah. Not a cup winning top six, in my well, opinion. Obviously, but that, that's a playoff top six. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're actual, you know, top nine, you know, you have some question marks, you know, Schwartz, McCain, and Eberle are going to be your performers. And then you have Marcus Johansson, Alexander Winberg, Kel uh, Yarncroke as your, as your second line. Mm-hmm. Tanev, Greike, Donskoy, Donato, Shahan, Appleton. I, I think they're actually pretty balanced, but it's going to be interesting, interesting to see who produces for them. My only criticism, really, of Seattle was the contract that they gave to Jaden Schwartz. Um, I don't really know if they think that he's going to be able to get back to the level that he was a couple, like two years ago. Um, but I mean, he may be able to produce more because he'll be on the top six because he's obviously going to be one of the main focal points of this team. I mean, it may work out. But yeah. when I look at Seattle as a whole, this is a team that definitely can make the playoffs. And it's primarily due to the fact that, again, this division is so weak um, that they could just be one of those teams that wins a couple games here and there and kind of is able to be competitive. I mean, great. It's preseason. We obviously understand this, but 
I mean, they look pretty good. Some of their guys look pretty good. Um, also, like getting Donato on that professional contract, he really proved himself this preseason. Like he really proved himself to be like a really solid contributor for the Seattle team. And I think there's going to be so much backing with the Kraken, you know, from the fan fans perspective that Seattle's going to get off to a really good start. Not in the same level that Vegas did, even though it's still possible, but I think that they're going to have a really successful like first year and they're really going to do a lot of damage. Like they're really going to do a lot of things that are going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I I agree. Um, They're going to be an interesting team to watch. I think they make the playoffs, but not a lot to talk about really. Like their, their team is is very quiet right now. It's going to be interesting to see how the season goes. Moving over to the Vancouver Canucks. Man, this team crapped the bed 10 ways to Sunday last year. Uh, obviously, using Elias Pettersson did not help. Um, but overall, that team was just hot garbage last year. Nothing. And then obviously, nothing COVID went well. for like two weeks killed them. Yeah, like nothing seemed to go well with them. They brought in Connor Garland and Oliver Eklund Larson. I honestly, I love that trade. I, I think it was a little bit of an overpayment with that first overall going back to yep. to Arizona. But and and you're also adding, you know, Larson for six years. And I think Arizona came out with the win. Mm-hmm. But if Larson can get back to what he was like two, three years ago, you're you're giving Hughes a better you're putting Hughes in a better situation to succeed because he's not the guy on that defense anymore. Mm-hmm. You're putting Garland beside a Pedersen and Besser. Right. I overall, I think this team is going to fight for the playoffs. But again, it, it comes down to goaltending. And is Thatcher Demko and Yaroslav Halak a tandem that can bring this team to a playoffs? And do they have the depth to withstand losing, you know, Elias Pettersson or, you know, Bo Horvat? And is Niels Hoglander going to take that next step? Like, there's so many question marks on this team, especially in the bottom six, mm-hmm. where I just, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure. I think they have what? One, two, three. They have six, eight. They have nine guys, according yeah. to uh, Daily Faceoff, back from last year. Yeah. This is a, this is a year where I feel like, and I know like, People have said it before, but I really think that like if this is not a successful year, like Jim Benning might actually get fired for real. Like I think he might think actually so. get fired because he now just gave those massive contracts to uh, Pedersen and um, Hughes. Uh, in Hughes, I was going to say Luke Hughes, Quinn Hughes, um, and th- they got this core got to get it going here, man. And, and look, obviously getting COVID with with the the variant was obviously horrible, but. There was problems way before that. They just got off to a bad start. We had high expectations after what they did in the bubble moving into last season. We had a lot of high expectations that this team was going to really, really make some noise in the postseason. And they they really faltered. I mean, they really did. Um, but you look at it and you say to yourself, this is still an incredibly talented team that is a little bit shaky on the back end. And also goaltending. It ha- like Thatcher Demko has to show that he's the number one guy. You're going to get solid goaltending from Halak. This is just a foregone conclusion. Halak is going to be back there making, you know, winning them some games. But it's going to be ultimately up to Thatcher Demko proving that he's the number one guy. Quinn Hughes has got to come out and have really a year where he could really prove himself as a potential Norris Trophy candidate. 
Look, if Adam Fox can win a Norris Trophy at his age, there's no excuse that a guy like Quinn Hughes can't do the same thing. You know, because Adam I think Fox. Quinn Hughes is a little bit more talented than Adam oh, Fox. Oh, I, I, I love Fox. I think he's the best overall defenseman. I think he's better What's than What's not to like about Adam Fox? Like, even though he's on the Rangers and obviously being a Devils fan, what is not to like about Adam Fox other than he plays for the Rangers? Literally he nothing. kind of forced himself to, to New York, which I don't really well, blame so him. So did Jimmy Vc and look how that look how that helped. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that, like, that the player has the ability to do it. So like, I, I'm not even mad at him for doing it. No, um, I get that. I get that. And look, I, he's gonna, I personally he's gonna get love paid. him. He's going to get paid at some point. Maybe not sure, by the way, ten- considering that literally just an hour ago, Mika Zibanejad got that yeah. massive contract from the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, so, it's going to be interesting. And, so and realistically, I, I we're, we'll talk about it in a little bit when we talk <laughs> about the Rangers. Um, well, let's save some things for them. But uh, we'll move over yeah, to we Vegas. Still gotta, we still got to finish this division that we're still. Yeah, on. yeah. We we spent like thirty minutes. This is going to be a long episode. It's going to be broken up in a couple pieces. I'm not going to lie. Fair enough. Um, but we got the West. We got the last team of the Pacific, the Vegas Golden Knights. And I'm going to straight up say it. The only reason they win this division is because they're in this Pacific Pacific division. division. That's it. That's the only reason why they win the division is because of who's in the division. Yeah. I honestly think that this team is going to be blown up in the next two years. If they cannot. Next year. It's got to be next year. If they don't make it to the cup final this year or next season. You, you're looking at it like, okay, what happens with Pacioretty? What happens with Stone? What happens with Marcheseau, Carlson, Smith, Stevenson? Right. You know, their their cap situation is not, not good. I'll just say that. Like, it's not, it's it's not the best. It's like, they're, they're $5 million. Their projected cap hit rate is at $86.624 million right now. They have Riley Smith and Chandler and uh, Matthias Yanmark as free agents this offseason. But you have a bunch of RFAs. You have Brady McNabb, who, if he has a solid year, mm-hmm. could could see a raise above his $2.5 million that he's getting. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, I, I look at it. Here, here's, here's the thing with Vegas. Let's. Th- this is the big thing. And I saw this um, actually, I think I saw it on Instagram, and it really kind of threw me off. Um, because, uh, I don't know where this source came from, but apparently, uh, the Golden Knights president, George McPhee intended for Marc-Andre Fleury to find out that he was traded on Twitter as punishment for his agent trying to quote, sabotage by telling teams Fleury might retire. So now we're starting to get more information that Fleury was, he's a piece of shit. I know that's the thing. The Golden Knights, I'm sorry. They they have been given every opportunity in the book from the time that they became a team to be good, to win a cup and everything. And what have they done? They kicked away opportunity after opportunity. Yeah. Okay. They weren't as good as the Washington Capitals in 2018. The Capitals were on a mission to win the cup. Ovi was on yeah. a mission to win the cup. Nobody was stopping that. And I okay? feel bad for Flurry because Flurry played really well that series. Flurry was great. Flurry was great. But then you go to 2019 you had a three games to one lead on San Jose and you had a three nothing lead in game seven and you lost. You choked it. You just you choked, choked it away. It. You go to the bubble and you lose to and you lose to freaking Dallas, Dallas after almost to Vancouver. Like let's be you honest. Very like, next they, year. They almost right. lost to Vancouver before they beat lost to Dallas. They to, did they not have to go to seven games with Vancouver? They did. They and had to go think... to seven games. After being down three games to two. People forget. Vancouver was up three games to two in that yeah, series. Yeah, Demko looked fantastic. And then last year, you're playing 
You're playing the Montreal Canadiens. You have so much going for you, and you still lose. And you don't even go seven on either of those series. Would they go five? Yeah, I think they, they lost six. Five. They lost four two to Dallas, and then uh, four one to to Montreal. They went out with a whimper, and they had so much talent. And they, and were they just came out beating Colorado. Like, how do you beat Colorado and then lose to Montreal? Because they completely took, like everybody else did except Tampa, they took Montreal for granted and said, dude, come on. They're not this good. To be fair, I don't think anyone was beating Tampa. I don't care who you have. No, I don't think no anyone of course was not. Look, we were all hoping for it. I think as an underdog fan, you're all hoping that maybe much, because also we want to see Canada win a cup at some yeah, point. Yeah, but not Montreal. But yeah, you know, well, I mean, you to know, be fair, I was. I can't. I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. See, I was kind of rooting for Montreal just because I wasn't rooting, but I wouldn't have been upset because Carey Price and Shea Weber deserve a cup. Right. My, so if they were to win the cup, I I wouldn't be upset about it because they deserve a cup ring, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, we've seen Lundqvist retire without a cup. We've seen Luongo retire without a cup. You know. Matt Sundin, Daniel, we've seen so many great players, like Hall of Fame players retire without a cup. Right. That you look at players like Weber and Price, who are both most likely first or second ballot Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at me, man, this is probably the only chance they would have got at winning the cup. Yeah. But going but going back to Vegas, like now you 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 treated a superstar goaltender the worst like way that one could. Like, like absolute crap. I've never seen a franchise just complete. And it's not just Flurry too. Marceau, Mark Stone, uh, Pacioretty. This entire core has been shit on by this organization. They were all afraid they were going to get traded. We thought when when Schmidt got traded, we go, oh, okay, this is the beginning. They're, now they're going to really, they're going to really go crazy here. Nope. If they don't get it done, I said it last year, and it's still relevant now. If they don't get it done, and I'm not talking about getting to the finals. No, they have to win, win. the whole damn thing. If they don't do it, they, all these guys are gone. I'm sorry. The only yeah. guy that's going to last. There's only it's two stuck. guys. Are, it's going to be – well, no, you got Petrangelo. He's stuck there. Yeah, Petrangelo and Stone are the only two non-movable deals. And you know that people are going to be banging the doors for Shea Theodore. You know damn well they're going to be oh, like – Oh, 100%. What Theodore, what Shea, you know, because I've said it before, Shea Theodore, Norris Trophy candidate, in my opinion, when he's healthy. We don't know what his situation is. But when he's healthy, this guy's one of the best defensemen in the game. I'm just pointing that out. But you have every opportunity in the book this year. This is a year where you can legitimately, legitimately run the table. And yeah, and they're not going to. <laughs> if you don't, which I – right, I'm with you – then this has been a failure from the start and you got to blow it up. And you're talking about trying to get Jack Eichel. Well, here's the simple, here's how you do it. Stop. If you really want Jack Eichel, if you really want to be crazy, you got to give up Peyton Krebs. You have to. Yeah, you have to. Because Buffalo's not going to, not going to take anything less than at least Peyton Krebs is the only reason that, that Eichel is not in Vegas right now is the only reason. Well, like to be fair, they were trying to get, uh, when they were trying to get Carlson out of Ottawa, they wanted Cody Glass. They wanted Cody Glass or Suzuki. And what happened? Oh, no, they wanted Cody Glass, and no, they're like, and, no, we'll give you Suzuki and, and, or Branstrom. And two guys now? None of them. None, None of their of first three first pa- first round picks in 2017 play for the organization. Nope. Oh, and by the way, who was the best player for the Canadians against Vegas last Suzuki. year? Suzuki. That would be Nick Suzuki. It was amazing. It I love it. I hate I oh. hate McPhee. So I for me, McPhee, yeah. I hate Crimson. I, I I hate Vegas. 
I don't even hate Vegas fans. I just think that organization has been no, run poorly. Nothing, I hate no, Vegas fans are fine. Okay. Vegas fans are fine. They can be. The way the organization is run is what's pissing off everybody. Okay. Yeah. That's what's pissing off everybody because they've been given every opportunity that so many teams, including our Shane, would die for. We yeah. would die to be in that position right now. 100%. We're not. But we're not. Uh, and they are. And and look, yeah, they're going to win this division by a lot, probably. Because, like, you know, I just. But can they get in the playoffs? Can they actually live up to the hype that they have? I don't think they will, but I do think they'll win the division because this division is super weak. Oh, 100%. Um, we're going to take a quick, like, 30 second break um, before hump- jumping in to the um, central central division it's been about 40 minutes on the uh the pacific so we'll we'll try speeding it up a little let's speed um, it up but yeah we'll take a quick 30 second uh 30 second break or less to before getting into the central Another week of the NFL seasons means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was 1943. I'd say this is a no-brainer. And don't worry if sportsbooks aren't available in your state or province yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prices all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at a million dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years of age or older. New Jersey, Indianapolis, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Five-minute deposit and one-minute wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbooks for details. Got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, we are back, and we're going to jump right into the Central Division. Um, starting with the Arizona Coyotes. They're bringing back the full Kachina look, looking fresh. I love it. And now they're in a new but division. They're in a new division. Uh, they're in the Central since Seattle has taken their spot in the Pacific. Man, this team looks horrible, though. Like, this, this team looks like a dumpster fire. But to give them credit, that's exactly what they want. Because they are in the race for Shane Wright out of Kingston uh, with the Frontenacs. And they were able to get quite a bit for what they took on. You know, you, you they, we talk about, you know, the, the trade that sent Garland and uh, Larson to Vancouver. They got Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Anton Roussel all for one year. But they got the ninth overall pick and was able to d- grab Dylan Gunther out of the Edmonton Oil Kings. Dude, what a what a pick at number nine. I love I love I was so mad. I was so well, mad. This is, well, Shane, you and I talked about this. This is why last year's draft was so like everybody's like, what how did he fall this far? Well, it's obvious. Nobody could scout anybody. Yeah, like I was what so do you think mad. Jesper Wolstead fell to 20 when he was projected to go top five or top ten. Yeah, I, I just I was so mad. I was like, he was right there. He was right there. When McTav I was surprised that McTavish was taking third. And I'm like, I still like what Ottawa did in that first round. Though. I like Boucher. I, I think he's great. But I, I was on, I was on the McCavish or Gunther train all season. There was yeah. only no one else. I was like, these are the two players that yeah. I want Ottawa to draft, and they got neither of them. And I was pissed. 
But don't get me wrong. I love Boucher, but we'll, we'll talk I about mean, that later. That's another episode. You know, you know what the biggest question mark is, Shane, for this for the Coyotes? It's not about how they're going to do this year or the uniforms. Or anything like that. It's simply this. Are they going to be in Arizona after this season? That is the question. They'll be in the state of Arizona. I now, mean, where they are. Where is that money coming from for Tempe? I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, somebody was like, saying to me, oh, the taxpayers. I'm like, there's so many people in that state that have said before that they don't want anything to why, do with the Coyotes my, anymore. My understanding is why the hell aren't they playing with the, where the Suns play? I have no idea. I, I actually thought that. Like, like I why, about, why haven't oh, they just. Like, why? Why? It makes no know. sense to me. They, they, they should be my playing there. Hurts. My brain hurts whenever we talk about the Coyotes because, and this is obviously for Corey and Richie because that that's what they spend all of their time doing. I feel bad for um, them. Well, that's why they, that's why a lot of their episodes are not even talking about the Coyotes. They talk about something else, which I love, by the way. And you guys should definitely go check them out because they are a, they are a riot. To but I'm to. I'm excited to see what they do. They you know they have Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, Antoine Wassell all last year's. They're a Could fun be, team. They're gonna be like for some reason they're gonna be like kind of fun to watch. They have Andrew Ladd, Phil Kessel. Andrew Ladd's definitely playing. Have we confirmed that he's definitely playing? I would expect him to. He's not He's not on Daily Fantasy, but I'd be surprised if he wasn't. How, how long has it been? Two years? Yeah. Two years? The Islanders, year? the Islanders have basically pulled the Rangers with Wade Redden and buried him in the AHL. Right. But I'm expecting Arizona to finish bottom of this division. They're going to be fun. You're going to see a lot of Keller, Kraus, and Hayden. And They're going to look good doing it with the uniforms. They're going to look good bad. Chaitron uh, is going to be good. Like They have pieces. They're going to move a lot of these guys they brought in. I have no expectations for these guys, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I hope they pick Shane Wright because I don't want him to go to Buffalo. I would feel bad for him going to Buffalo. Um, but, yeah. man, I, I'm excited to watch those uniforms. The one thing I will say this, though, Bill Armstrong has officially decided he wants to be the Sam Presti of the NHL where he just collects – so many first round picks, so many picks, so that for the next five to six years, the future of the NHL is all based in Arizona. Because if you look at all the picks, just picks that Armstrong got this offseason, it's ridiculous. It's a lot. It's, it's a, a lot. lot. They got a first round pick for Ekman Larson and Garland. That was a hell of a move by Bill Armstrong. Yeah. I, and they got ridiculous. they got some pretty decent, they got a pretty decent return for Christian Dvorak as well. Yeah, they got a first and a third. They got to thank, you, you know, there are two teams that now have to thank Carolina for doing what they did. You got Montreal, who was able to have enough cap space to get Christian Dvorak, and Arizona, who gets a first and a second. Yeah, like it's ridiculous. That Wait, being was said, that first, was that first round pick, did they did they give that? They, they it's give the, that it's the best. It's the best the, of either Montreal Carolina or Carolina. Or it? it's, it's the best of either Montreal's or Carolina's. Okay. If they both end up top 10, it's the worst of the two. Oh, that's awful. Which I hope so, doesn't happen. I don't. I, I don't think it. I, but I think we all on. want. I think we all want deep down for Arizona to be good at some point. I think we all just kind of hope. 100%. Like it's going to be like in three years when Matthews. Twenty twelve, though. Like we got a ridiculous. cup final. Do you know how bad it would have been for a, for the NHL if it no, was New what, Jersey versus Arizona? That would have been fantastic. That was uh, a fun team that um, Arizona had too that yeah. year. But moving on from Arizona, because there's really not much to talk about it. We got the Chicago Blackhawks listed, you know, being held down the force by Marc-Andre Fleury. You got Alex DeBrinkett, Patty Kane, Jonathan Taves is back. 
Yes, he, he's back. back for the. You think year? he makes the Olympic team? No, no, no. I don't think so. No. I mean, I feel, I feel like he's going to be on the roster, like the initial roster, but I don't think he's going to be one of the guys to who ends up going. Um, I would unless like to there's see an injury. There. I mean, I would like, I personally would like to see him there, but same. We also got to see how he comes. Remember, he didn't play all last year, so we got to see how he performs. Yeah, we got to we got to see how he performs. From what I heard from Chicago people, it sounds he's like in good. the preseason, Taze looked good. Yeah, like, you look uh, like my good. my surprise though is that according to Daily Faceoff, they have Tyler Johnson centering that tie line between DeBrinket and Kane. Taves is with Kubalik and Kurishev, and then Doc is between Hagel and Godet. Now that's a big question mark right there. Kirby Doc, who has been dealing with a bunch of injuries. Uh, how many games did he play last year? Like five? Yeah, six, something like He's, that. You know, I, I took him in the last round of fantasy. Um, just at a hunch. Hey, he, if he if he has a good year, if he can stay healthy, it's going to be a good year. Uh, yeah, and I and look here's a, and obviously the, the the thing that throws me off, Shane. I don't know if it threw you off, but um, Stan Bowman said at the end of last season that this team was going to start rebuilding. This is not a rebuild. If you th- if anybody thinks that this was a rebuild, this was not. This was retooling because he got Seth Jones, which was like. Okay. He got both Jones. He got Caleb and Seth. Well, unfortunately, Caleb's out for a couple months now with an injury, yeah. which is unfortunate. And then he gets the gift of all gifts, a Vesna Trophy winner for literally nothing. Yeah. I, literally nothing. See, I, ha- I have a feeling they make the playoffs. Um, okay. I, I I think it's going to be five from the Central, three from the Pacific. I just – that's how I feel like it's going to be. Um, Isn't it the top four though from each division, or am I no, dreaming? That, you know? No, it's the top three plus the two wild card. Oh, it's top three. I was thinking top four, maybe because I'm thinking last year's. Last um, year was top four. Last year's it was the, division it was the top, top four, four from each, but the 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 current way it's top three from each division, then the next best two. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have them slotting in as that bottom wild card spot, uh, but they could easily finish top three in this division. I think the division is mm-hmm. super close. That there's not a lot of separation between that fifth spot and that second spot. Um, uh, so my, my thing is Riley Stillman. I've been a huge fan of him. I'm annoyed that the devils uh, drafted his brother in the second round. Uh, again, another guy that I wanted auto to grab and people were like, Oh, you're crazy. He's going to drop. to like Wait, which, which guy was this? Stillman. Of, uh, Sudbury. I yep. wanted him. So I was like, man, okay, if he's available in the second round, we got to take him. And New Jersey's like, haha, we're taking him in the first round. And the funny thing about it is that every, like most Devils fans were like upset about it because we didn't take um, the guy the Islanders took in the second round. I was trying to remember. Roddy? Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, look, here's the thing. If the Devils really wanted Stillman, you might as well get him now and not and not think like, oh, someone else is going to take him. Exactly. Someone won't take him. If he's there, just take him. If you yeah. like him so much, just take him. And you know what? In the prospects challenge and also he in looked good. He looked really good. And guess what? He's an alternate captain in Sudbury this year. Yeah. So why don't we just relax a little bit? And I'm just surprised they sent him to. I'm surprised they sent him to Sudbury. I figured they would have sent him to to. Well, what he Utica. signed his entry-level deal, but what they're doing is that they want it to start next season. So they're giving him, you know, uh, it's kind of one of those, because again, look, the, the Devils still have hey. a lot of cap space, but they want to make sure that everything progresses That's uh, fair. correctly. And, and they and probably want him playing at the Worlds and, and whatnot. Look, Dawson Mercer signed his entry-level deal and then played all of last season in the QMJHL. So, yeah. I mean, it's, 
It's not like because I think also they look at Stillman like Ridley Greg and and uh, uh, Stopchuk in in New Jersey, right. so and they look at Stillman as a guy that could potentially make the team next year. So you might as well have him start his entry level deal next season when he makes the team. Yeah, going back to going back to Chicago. Right. Uh, you know, you have Jake McCabe out of Buffalo, who did well in Buffalo, should be able to anchor that second pairing with Murphy. But this team looks really good, and I'm excited to watch them. I think they're going to make a lot of noise in that Central Division. I really like Jeremy Colleton, Shane. Like I've, I've been a big fan of Jeremy Colleton when he first like he's the youngest coach in the NHL by See, I'm, I'm gonna a wait. considerable I, amount, by the way. I I'm gonna wait and see what happens this year. I think this is probably the healthiest team that he's had. This is probably the best team he's had to coach. So I'm gonna wait until yeah. this season before having any verdict on if I like him or not. <laughs> I I was a big no. I, like what impressed me the most was how they performed in the bubble. Um, obviously, yeah, they play auto, uh, they played Edmonton and Edmonton was obviously not going to go very far, but still like they look good. Um, the two guys that stand out to me the most Shane are Dominique Kubalik, who I think has the potential to be a really, really, really talented player for years to come. A really good two-way guy. And also everybody talks about flurry, this flurry, that they still have Kevin Lankin in ladies and gentlemen, who, who's who going to do well, is really good. Like he's really good. And he even said it himself, this shows you how much confidence he has. He says, um, I still want to be the number one guy. Yeah. I still believe I'm the number one guy, which if you mean to tell me you have two, you have a guy who won a Vesna trophy and a young goaltender who believes in himself that much. And you were able to move on from Malcolm Subban. You're in pretty good shape on the back end. So that's going to be one of the more interesting goaltending tandems in the league. And I, I think that Chicago is going to be really, really good, particularly on the defensive side, except Seth Jones is not the greatest at playing defense. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be interesting. Shane has been a big proponent on our on our group chats for months that the worst contract this offseason was given to Seth Jones. Oh, 100 percent hundred percent. It's gonna be from bad. an analytical perspective, it's 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 a it bad contract. Like he's not he's not a bad like he like if you actually look at his numbers and you compare it to other players, he's relatively on par. That doesn't make the contract any better. It just makes it an overpayment. Well, but he, look, Chicago wanted him, and then they knew, okay, we can't just get him and then lose him after this season. Like we have to get him a deal. And they, they, and they basically use the Olympics as a way to sign him. I guarantee it. They're that's like, Hey, you point. sign with us long-term. I'll make sure you're part of the Olympic team. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> I, I, I think he would have picked them anyway, to be honest with you, Shane. I think even probably, but I don't think he would have been top three. No, that's a good point. That's good. <laughs> I think that was used as a selling point. Uh, moving on to Colorado. Uh, the biggest question mark is can Kemper Go replace Grubauer? I think that, that, as a whole, is probably the biggest question mark that uh-huh. that Colorado has. Uh, is Bowen Byram NHL ready? He's expected to make the opening night roster. Will he be uh, a substantial defenseman for them? Mm-hmm. And what happens with Alex Newhook? Can he be a, a top nine player right out of the gate? I think it's early for him. I really do. Uh, look, Luckily, this team is very deep. Um, on the, on the, in the, uh, forward group. And I think the big, like for me, at least, I wonder how much they're going to miss Ryan Graves. I mean, they had no choice. They were going to lose him either to Seattle or they had to trade him and they ended up trading him and they got a second round pick and a a young solid prospect to Mikhail Maltsev. And I'm honestly like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It was actually expected to make the, the opening night roster too. Maltsev. Yeah, no, because Maltsev proved last year he could play in the NHL. 
Yeah. He proved that. So, I mean, and he's a big body dude. He's a much more physical player than people talk about enough. So I think that's something to keep in mind. But yeah, you brought up the goaltending. That's the biggest question mark. But I, I think because of how good the defense is usually for Colorado, I think Kemper is going to be fine. If he can um, stay healthy. Who is their backup? I'm just trying to remember. Uh, Franceau. Is it France? If Franceau is healthy now? Hurt. I know. I think he's hurt. So I'm not sure who they have backing. Do they have, um, they had, no, they, they, they traded for the guy from Buffalo, the young guy who has a very long last name. That was what I remember. If you remember that, they traded like a second round pick or something for him. I don't remember his name. Wasn't um, it last year? I can't remember. Let yeah, it was try. last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, did, but isn't he still on the team? I think That's so. Sort of I, mean, I couldn't, I totally forgot about that. Uh, yeah. Johnson. Jonas Johansson, yeah. Johansson, yeah. Yeah, who I think right now will probably be the backup with Franceau being out. Yeah. Um, remember, guys, there is no taxi squad this year as far as the season starts. They said Which is stupid. They, they should be a taxi squad. I, I think they squad. should. As long as COVID still exists, honestly. I honestly, even, you even gotta, without it, even without the, I think the taxi squad's great. I think No, the taxi squad is be, good because these guys are still practicing with the team. You should also be, you should also be allowed, the roster should be 24. Yeah, but mandatory you carry through, and and that twenty fourth right. spot must be a third goal. Get rid of the ebook completely. Just have that mandatory third goaltender. I agree. So I mean, Colorado to me is the best team in the NHL. This is I'm just, to me they're the deepest team, they're the most talented team, and I think that they're going to not only win this division, but I think they're going to make a really good attempt at winning the President's Trophy because I think this is that year. And Nathan I think it's between McKinnon, them and Tampa. And let me, and I just want to say this: Nathan McKinnon better be getting his due this season. I mean, this is ridiculous that we are. He's been this many years into the league. He's been playing this well, and he's still not getting recognized as one of the better players. Because, and you know what? You know what, Shane? You're going to be happy. I'm going to say this: Wait till he gets to the Olympics. That's what I'm saying. Dude's the second I, best player in the league. I mean, to me. To me, if he once he gets to the Olympics, he's going to prove himself on the international stage that he is a he is an awesome he, player. He is he's a, the second best player in the league behind McDavid. And if he were to hit the open proven. market, yep. If he were to hit the open market, you are paying this man twelve million dollars easily. Like, and, and no one, and no one would blink an eye. Dude's had, gonna, in the last right. I think, nobody's going to judge years, him. He was on pace for hundred points his every year for the last four years. Yep. Even this year, he was on pace for hundred points. Like. Right, you are right. paying right. for a quality, a top end quality player, which you can make an argument. There's only maybe one, two, or three players max ahead of him. A hundred percent. You are paying minimum yeah, and I mean, eleven and, and, and a half mil. And you look at it. What McKinnon has proven as well is that you don't have to be a star right right away into the NHL to become a star. He t- remember his first two or three years, he was okay, his but first he wasn't. Three years were trash. Right. He was People really struggling his first three years. And then you go, and then like, look at the last couple of years. He's developed into a superstar in this league. Yeah, he's a, he's turned from a kid to a man. I think people forget so, that like, he was 18 we, when he came into the league. So can we all agree that not every first overall pick has to be the second coming of Jesus Christ? Like, oh, 100%. We, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, I've been trying to say this about, um, you know, Nico Heischer and also Jack Hughes that, look, they still are very young, and they still can develop into star players. He sure looks like a friggin' gem. What are you talking? Like, I watch yes. He sure play. Well, it's because it's Shane. You understand this? It's because of the fact. Look who got picked three and four in that year: Elias Pettersson and Miro Heiskanen. That is why people. I thought were, no, it was McCarr that was four, wasn't it? Oh, actually, you might be right. It was, well, yeah, it was McCarr that was. Four. There's three there: McCarr, Heiskanen, Pettersson, and Heiskanen. 
Yeah. All of those guys, or, or Haskinen and then Pedersen, I think it was. There was some. Cause yeah, because I think Colorado, three, cause Colorado dropped to fourth. They picked McCarr. Right. Uh, Pedersen, I think, was so, fifth or something. All of that. So okay, that's so. why people, because those guys got going much sooner than Nico did. But you know what? Nico can still become that talented player. So, guys, if you have a young, talented player that is taking longer than you would have liked to develop, don't immediately just assume he's a bust. Understand that some guys just, they take a little bit longer to get going. And Nathan McKinnon is the prime example of that. Yeah, I mean, Nico Heischer was first, Patrick was second, Hiskinen was third, Makar was fourth, and then Pedersen was fifth. Was fifth. But then you look at who else was picked. Then you have Cody Glass at six that Vegas just completely destroyed. Lias Anderson, who's his own worst enemy for the longest time. Casey Middlestat, that up until Casey like two years ago, was looking like a, a, a complete bust. Michael Rasmussen, Owen Tippett, Velarde, Netcash, like... Most of these guys, very few of them have had, have seen consistent playing time right. across the board. And it's like, yeah. I think that people have this idea, if you're picked first overall, you can jump into the NHL right away. It, it doesn't work like that. Uh, McKinnon has shown that like you need, no. expecting an 18-year-old to come into the NHL and dominate, you're not mm-hmm. McDavid, you're not Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like Very few first-round picks can come into the NHL right away and just dominate consistently but from day one right but yeah all in all just talk about Colorado going back to Colorado yeah I mean other than Tampa they're the best team in the NHL 100% uh moving on to Dallas and this Uh team looks like a gong show this team looks like absolute garbage yeah you have Tudobin and uh, Holpe, according to Cap, according to Daily Faceoff, even though I feel like Ottinger should be in there. Yep. Um, you know, you brought in Ryan Sutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Klingberg and Hiskinen are going to be solid, but realistically, I I look at this this team and I'm like, damn, like you're you're not going to win many games. You're not going to be co- you're going to be competitive. Yeah, but I I don't see this team taking that step to make the playoffs in this central division. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about Dallas because Dallas is kind of just there. Um, like you said, they're going to be a competitive team. Uh, they still have, you know, Tyler Sagan, who's coming back from injury. Um, they have Joe Pavelski, who was arguably your best player last year. And that was a tremendous move by Dallas to go get him. Defense is going to be solid. Um, goaltending is the biggest question mark. And it's like, if you don't have a good offensive line, in the NFL, if you don't have a good goaltending, you're not going to win a whole lot of games. You're going to lose a lot of games, and you're going to put yourself in a very, very difficult position. So I think overall, Dallas is going to be a team that's going to win some games here and there, but I can't see them being a top three, top four, top five team, to be honest with you. It's just kind of hard to see. Agreed. It's going to be interesting to see. But moving on from Dallas, because we neither of us really have much to say outside of the, like I feel bad for Stars fans. It's going to be a long season for you guys. The Nashville Predators. Um, or no, Minnesota Wild is next in line. Minnesota Wild. Yep. Minnesota Wild. Um, Marco Rossi, their their top pick from a year ago, heading to Iowa, which makes mm-hmm. sense considering he hasn't played hockey in eighteen months. He's coming off a serious injury, um, where no one, where people were sure if he was even going to play hockey again, um, mm-hmm. because he of a of um. 
you know, how, how COVID impacted People weren't so, sure he was going to, he was going to live, let alone yeah. play hockey. So like, you know, COVID really derailed his development. So he's starting in Iowa, which I'm not surprised with. It's, it's great for him. You get his reps, you get back into the, he'll be called up by the end of the year. And like by the end of the year, I mean, by the end of yeah. 2021, I would not be surprised if he's called up within the next, yeah. like the first two months of the season. Kaprasov getting a, I, I, think is a ridiculous overpayment at nine mil for five a, a year for five years after 55 games in the NHL. Ridiculous. Um, well, they, well, they panicked. I mean, look, they, 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 they took the bait that, uh, Kaposov's yeah. con, uh, agent said like, Oh, well, KHL. right. He's going to get like, what, what was it like? Did he say like he's going to get like 30 million for one year or some crap like that? He was going to yeah. get like a crap little money and, like, for one year. Maybe- and- Kaprasov shows that like this year that okay no last year wasn't a fluke you're buying a lot of you're buying four UFA years off of him so it makes sense to to give him that mill because he's probably going to be worth it by the end of the contract but it's still ridiculous mm-hmm. with the amount of experience that he's played I I just I have a hard right. trouble I I don't see this Minnesota team doing very well though really really um Personally, I, I, I just I like don't Minnesota a lot. I, I like Minnesota. I just don't see them doing well. I mm. I like their goaltending, but again, I think it comes down mm-hmm. to to the overall depth. And I you know that top six is great. You know, where how does Fiala do? And I I just have questions about their, their ability to score outside of their their top six. Yeah, I mean I, I think I think obviously depth is such a it's such a key thing for a lot of these situations, and I think you've got to hope from uh, Minnesota's perspective that maybe their top six carries them a little bit more than maybe the organization would like. But I mean, there's a lot of different um, there's a lot of different pieces that uh, Minnesota has that you have to like. I think personally, goaltending future wise, having Kapo Kakinen and then obviously Jesper Wallstead, which was an absolute steal, steal for Minnesota in the draft last year, um, is going to be a lot of fun to see. Uh, the big thing for me is Kevin Fiala, to be honest with you, Shane, because that's fair. Um, did he end up getting that? I'm trying to remember, did he end up getting a contract or no? He got a one year, $5.1 million deal. I believe that this is Kevin Fiala is going to have a really, another really good year, and he's going to basically put pressure on Minnesota, whether it's during the season or at the end of the year, to look. I once again prove that I can I can play at this high level. You need to pay me, and I think it's I think that's basically what uh, what that situation is. The other thing is this: they were able to move on from Parise and Suter. Is that kind of like do they take off the shackles? Are they fine? Is Minnesota finally set free where they don't have to worry about that and like they can they can take that next step with the with the core that they have? Who knows? Probably. But the one guy. The one guy, Shane, that you got to keep your eye on is one of the most underrated players in our game today, Erickson Eck. I very, very I think underrated player. I, I'm, I'm excited to see his next steps. I think he's going to be very well for us or for Minnesota, and I'm, I'm interested. <laughs> I have Minnesota making the playoffs. Don't so do I. I just don't think it's going to be easy for them to make the playoffs. I think they are going to win a lot. You're not going to see this team – blowing people out they're not going to win games and you're going to watch them be like they're the best team on the like they're the better of the two teams they're going to win games 2-1 3-2 i don't if you want to beat minnesota like they they can't get into a shootout with you they they're right. not going to win games 5-4 6-5 five, 
they're going to win the three, two, two, one games. And they're going to win a lot yeah. of them, but those are the games you're going to, I would expect to see for Minnesota this year. 100%. But moving on from Minnesota, we got the Nashville Predators, mm-hmm. the team with the ugliest jerseys in the league. Um, <laughs> got to, you know, they have some players that really need to step up. Ryan Johansson and Matthew Shane being two of them. They lost Ryan Ellis. They went to, uh, to Philly, uh, which I think was great for Philly. Yep. Uh, you know, they got brought in back Philip Myers. They have Dante Fabro, who's who's expected to take the next step. Cody Glass mm-hmm. and Philip Tomasino uh, expected to be uh, paired together on that third line with Nick Cousins. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Uh, I would have yeah. liked to see them with Tolvin in instead on that third line. I think those three would have meshed well. But, man, Nashville, you know, first year without Pekka Rene. Uh, mm-hmm. You have Yuri Saros and David Riddick as your goaltending tandem. I have them missing the playoffs because I don't see Duchesne and Johansson living up to those contracts. I, I just don't see it. There's one bit that you left out that is oh. very hard for me to talk about. And that is the man behind the bench. Um, oh yeah. I have experience with the man behind the bench. I he totally is, forgot about him. We don't even mention his name in devil's uh, in devil's lore. He is he who shall not be named for, um, for all you Harry Potter fans out there. He's not that good of a coach. I don't know why people think that he's better than people than than what he actually is. He's a defensive-minded coach that is going to hold back a lot of the offense that this team actually has. And Agreed. I'm not, you know, and, and they, you know they made the playoffs on, in the bubble. Whoopie do! But they lost to Arizona, and that didn't surprise me at all that they lost to Arizona. I mean, you got to call it like it is. Nashville is an okay team with a with a hell of a fan base. That atmosphere in Nashville is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But you got to when you look at the team itself, I do not like what I see from Nashville. I don't have them making the playoffs, and I don't have them really finishing that high either, um, because quite frankly, their coach is going to hold them back. And Philip Forsberg. He better try to get get the get the hell out of there because honestly, yeah, he's off going somewhere else. Yeah, um, Nashville's in. I mean, Nashville fans are in for a rough year. I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be a really yeah. rough year. Um, moving on to St. Louis, um, I think they 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 finished. That was, good. That was a good reaction there, Shane. Move on to St. Louis and then just go. Uh. <laughs> They're a team that should finish behind Colorado for second in the division. They bring in Brandon Saad. They bring in Bushnevich. They, you know, they, Jake neighbors has made a name for himself and should make the opening night roster. Their defense looks solid. Tarasenko's still there. I, their goaltending should be solved. You know, Bennington should have a good year. I just have so much faith in this team that I feel bad for Blues fans because if they they it's the biggest boomer bust of the entire oh, league yeah. outside oh, of yeah. Toronto. This is the biggest boom. They have the ability to either skyrocket and finish, you know, top five in the league, finish behind Colorado, or they will just plummet. And I just I'm oh. I'm leaning more Shane, it's not gonna like this. I'm leaning more towards they're gonna they're gonna bust because their defense losing Vince Dunn is, is going to hurt. Is really going to hurt. Honestly, um, they locked up Colton Pareko, which is great. 
But how many more years of that type of play does he have left? And honestly, Shane, I am not a fan of Jordan Bennington. Because after what he did in the playoffs in 2019 and everything, you would have thought he would have gone off of that and continued to be good. In the bubble, he was so bad, he got pulled for Jake Allen like twice. Yeah. And then last year, he struggled a lot as well. And they missed Jake Allen. You know how many Blues fans I know that say, I really wish we didn't, we did not trade Jake Allen? Yeah. Because Jake Allen, before Bennington came along, was supposed to be that number one guy for so long. And they they traded him. And now they, who is even their backup now? Huso. You really think you're going to win a lot of games with Huso if he's playing? That's why Bennington's going to play three quarters of the games, ladies and gentlemen. Probably. And like, it's just, not, this team has such a boomer bust on it. Yeah, and I'm so hoping top, for they're a so top six heavy though. But no, but like they're they're top like their forwards are good. It's just I I just don't trust. Like I hope Bennington could just regain his form. I, I, he just needs I to be a, he just needs to be half of what he was during that cup run. For he has them to stop to, looking nervous. That's the problem. Yeah, and it's just, oh, this team hurts my head because they have the potential to do so well. And I feel for Blues fans that that ha- that are going to watch this team and be like, man, there is so much potential. But you know, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll wait I, for we'll do no. a half season pre like a half season recap and see where they're at. But we'll move on. We're gonna do the Winnipeg Jets. We'll finish off the West. Um. Winnipeg Jets finishing off this central division. I have them. Big, big Jets guy. I, I have them making uh, the playoffs. Pierre-Luc Dubois needs to have a one hell of a season. And oh, their yeah. defense, you know, hopefully bringing in, uh, you know, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt help solidify that defense. You know, they're going to get solid goaltending. Oh, yeah. Um, but overall, like, I just. I they, again another boomer bust team, mm-hmm. in my opinion, where this team yeah. can either be one of the best teams in the division, or they're going to be middle of the pack, barely fighting for like fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, uh, before the All Star break or the the you know heading into the Olympics, I like this team has the players, but can they get the results? That's a big question. I think that this is going to be another one of those years where Hellebuck is going to really carry this team. He's going to have to play a lot. Um, I think he's built to play a lot. Um, he obviously is going to have a lot of pressure on him as well because there's a good chance he's the number one guy for Team USA in the Olympics. 100%. Um, he's, going to, he's going to be dog-tired, I think, by the time you get to the Olympics. I think that's something to keep in mind. But you look at Winnipeg as a whole, they have a lot of talent on the offensive side. They have one of the most underrated players in the game today, Nikolai Ehlers, who I still don't think gets enough credit for how good he actually is. Um, You know, Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler are still going to be expected to be, you know, two of your top guys. Pierre-Luc Dubois, like you said, Shane, it's put up or shut up. They, he has to prove that the Jets made the right move to move on from line A and acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois. They, they have, he has to come out. But I think Paul Maurice, the way he coaches this team, I think he will have them ready to be ultra competitive right from the start. And I feel very confident that Winnipeg is going to get into the playoffs and get out of this central division. I, 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 you're more confident than I am, and then that's for sure. Uh, but that wraps up our West. It's been an hour and a half on our West division. Um, <laughs> so we're going to take – we'll, we'll take a review. Uh, we didn't really talk about who made the playoffs. 
uh, and where our, our list was in terms of one through eight, but we do have a graphic for it. Um, so, uh, here it is. Um, we have, I'm taking Vegas, uh, Calgary, Seattle, Edmonton, Vancouver, Anaheim, LA, San Jose as my one through eight. Neil yep. had we we had the same division winners. Right, um, we, have, we have Vegas, Vegas, uh, and then Vancouver, have... Calgary, Seattle, Edmonton. Yeah, I actually don't think Edmonton makes the playoffs. Uh, L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose. Yeah, so we we basically have the same bottom five, uh, bottom three. Uh, he just has L.A. over Anaheim, and I have Anaheim over L.A. I have Calgary finishing second. He has them finishing third. Uh, but we still have Seattle, Seattle, and. Edmonton finished right ahead of each other uh, with Seattle finishing above Edmonton. The biggest difference for us though, is you have big uh, Vancouver second. Yes. I have fifth. Yeah. The reason that I have Vancouver second is mainly due to the fact that I feel like that this is such a put up or shut up year for Vancouver. They have so much to prove that I think that they're going to come out, um, come out of the gates really strong. I think that uh, adding, like you said, adding, um, Oliver Ekman Larson and also bringing Connor Garland, I think will help both on the offensive side and in the defensive side. And yeah, having a goaltending tandem of Thatcher Demko, who's going to obviously have to prove that he's a number one guy and a solid backup in Yaroslav Halak. I think this team is definitely better than it was last year. And I think that they're going to be able to take advantage of what we've talked about a pretty weak Pacific division. That's for sure. Uh, heading over to the central division. I have, uh, Colorado winning it, St. Louis, Minnesota, Winnipeg rounding out the top four. The Blackhawks, Stars, Preds, and Arizona rounding out the bottom. I think this is going to be a five to three. So I think Chicago makes it in as that final wild card seed. And we're going to see just the three uh, Vegas, uh, Calgary, and San Jose making it in, in the Pacific. Mm-hmm. You, you again, we're, we're relatively the same. There's just some minor differences. <laughs> What like what like St. Louis me having them finish seventh? That that's the big one, and that's we talked about one. it with St. Louis. Is that like this team is such a boomer bust, so, right? And you have a more boom, and I have a more bust. That's yeah. pretty much what we're seeing here. Uh, we have the Stars in the same spot, uh, uh, sitting sixth. The Yotes are bottom of the division. You have stars. the Preds sitting fifth. Yeah. I have them sitting seventh, and then Chicago at third, Minnesota at second. I got the Minnesota at third, and Chicago sitting fourth, uh, fifth. So this division is going to be very tight. I think that middle of the pack, yeah, there, there's so much that can go either side, but I think mm-hmm. Dallas does finish at the bot outside of the playoffs, and I think we Agreed. both agree on that. Agreed. So with that being said, there are our Western Conference predictions for the how the standings are going to break out. We're going to take a quick break. Thank you for listening to part one because this is going to be a part one. We will have part two for the Eastern Division. Hopefully it won't take an hour and a half. Um, let's try, let's try to push it. Let's try to make it 30 minutes. Let's see if we can beat our, uh, beat our, (laughs) our, our time. Yeah. Let's see if we can get it under two and a half hours, but we'll be right (laughs) back after this quick uh, message. And we'll be back with part two for, uh, for this episode. Thank you for listening to the Suns Hour Preview Show Part 1. Remember to check out Part 2 as we take a look at the Eastern Conference and a quick NHL prediction. Also, if you liked the episode, please leave a 5-star review, comment, and share. We'll check you out in Part 2. 